You're listening to The Ladies Room. I am Iris St. Moran. And I'm Jennifer Sanders. So by day, we're television news anchors at competing stations in New York. But in real life, we are the best of friends. So tell our listeners why we decided to choose The Ladies Room. Well, it's that place where you get yourself together, tell a secret, cry, laugh. Ladies know what I mean. Yeah, we definitely know what you mean. So you'll get to hear from some phenomenal ladies who are doing phenomenal things across the world. And our goal is to provide inspiration and information. You're on air and the ladies room. So we are in the ladies room with a very special guest. I am so excited to welcome Janice Dean. She's a senior meteorologist at Fox and you often see her every morning on Fox and Friends. Thank you so much for being here, Janice. It's my pleasure. I'm gl- I I couldn't wait for it myself. <laughs> Janice, I don't know if you know how excited Iris is. She is <laughs> I've talked to Iris on the phone a couple of times, and I, we, I think we have a mutual admiration club for each other. Yeah, we do. I feel like we're, we're BFFs. I don't know. We are. I feel that too. I, you're my BFF. You don't know it. But <laughs> well, we know it now, yeah, know and it. I welcome it. Thank you. We need more girlfriends. Yes. Yes, we definitely, do. Definitely. So, um, obviously, um, you have come out with having multiple sclerosis and have helped a lot of people. This week you've had a tough week and you share that. Just talk a little bit about. So I was, this was only a couple of days ago. So this interview is timely. Um, I was doing Fox and Friends and I am in the middle of a, a flare up. And in MS terms, that's, um, you know, where we have symptoms that crop up from time to time and they either linger or they go away. I have uh, relapsing remitting MS. There are different categories of MS. So I have relapsing remitting, which means that my symptoms come and then they go away either on their own or with help with steroids. Um, so th- this relapse um, involved pain in my foot, intense pain. I liken it to almost like a a lightning storm that's going on in my foot or wherever in my body. It's like a rolling pain. So it comes in spurts. It goes away for two seconds and then it comes back again. You cannot sleep. You cannot take anything for it. Like you can't take Tylenol because MS is, you know, your signals from your brain are not properly being channeled. Um, so it's almost a false pain. It's not a real pain. Like if I pinch you, you feel that. This pain is from, uh, you know, a, my connections, my wiring being frayed and not, and not get co- communicating with my body. So this was a pain in my foot. I also have swallowing problems. So eating, uh, is difficult. I have to kind of wash it down with water. Um, I also had this burning sensation, almost like a, an intense sunburn on my leg, but there's no sunburn there. Um, so, I was in pain while I was doing Fox and Friends and I had to do an interview. We had Challenger, the American Eagle on Fox and Friends because it was American Eagle Day. And I did that interview and I almost don't remember it because I was in so much pain. And I was, I remember sitting there in between doing weather and doing that interview and thinking, Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? I, I feel terrible. I have to put this face on. And I thought in the moment, why don't I take a selfie to show that I can look good? You know, I have a wonderful hair and makeup staff at Fox News Channel who make me look amazing and the lighting is fantastic. But I'm going to take this picture right now because, um, you know, 
you can't judge the book by its cover. And I'm going through so much pain right now. And I thought in that moment, I wanted to share that picture to show people who live with invisible illness like MS. Um, I call it the my you look so well disease because you can look great on the outside, but there are a lot going, there's a lot going on in the inside. So I took that picture just to sort of tell people, Hey, you know, you never know what somebody is going through. And I've had so much wonderful support and love from you gals mm-hmm. and from all over the place. People who don't follow me, who don't know me, who don't necessarily watch Fox News, but the response was overwhelming. So I'm glad that I did it. Um, sometimes I'm shy about, even after all these years, I'm shy about sharing it, but I'm glad that I did. And you yeah. inspire so many people, whether they have MS or not. I think, like you said, we can't judge a book by its cover. We mm-hmm. never know what someone's going through. Take me back to when you told the world essentially that you were diagnosed with MS. So that I was officially diagnosed in 2005. I can track symptoms, you know, years before that. But when I officially got the diagnosis and I, I, you know, I had textbook systems, uh, symptoms when they first diagnosed me, woke up, I was really exhausted. I was covering the 2005 hurricane season, the year of Katrina, the year that we had so many storms, we had to go to the Greek alphabet to name them. And at the time, I was the only on-camera meteorologist they had at Fox, so I was working long hours. But I felt so tired, the point of, I felt like I couldn't get out of bed, like abnormally tired. I've you know, I've always been like an energizer bunny my whole career. Like, yes, of course I'll work overnights and, you know, the next day. And, uh, you know, of course in this business, it, this 24 hour news business. But I, I just recall saying, I can't even get out of bed. I don't know what's going on with me. I took a week off vacation and I went with my boyfriend now, my husband to, um, back home to Canada where I'm from. And I woke up one morning and I could not feel the bottoms of my feet. And I had numbness and tingling in my legs. I felt this overwhelming sense of being tired, like I could not get out of bed. And I I went to a local doctor there. And I remember her saying to me, you could have anything from a slip disc to multiple sclerosis. And I thought, multiple sclerosis? Why is this person telling me that? Isn't that the wheelchair disease? And I don't have that. Um, But they said, you know, you should go back. You should get some MRIs done um, and see a neurologist. So I went back to the U.S., got the MRIs done, saw a neurologist, uh, and then the neurologist saw lesions on my brain and my spine, which is what they look for um, on the MRI imaging. They did a, a spinal tap, which is something that they also do to, to detect if I had the um, the banding or the protein that they look for in the spinal fluid. That tested positive. So I had all you know, I, they were checking the boxes. And back then I had to have another, a second flare up for them to diagnose me. And I did probably a couple of months later. Um, and it was during that time that I thought, hmm, this is, you know, this is the most dark period I've ever gone through. I thought my boyfriend was going to leave me. I thought I was going to lose my job. Um, I saw a wheelchair in my future. I thought I'd probably have to go back home and have somebody take care of me. Um, but I was lucky because I had someone that worked with me. Uh, his name is Neil Cavuto and he works at Fox. He still does. Uh, he has a you know, he has a show on Fox News Channel, um, Your World with Neil. And I was able to go and talk to him so I was lucky I had somebody that was doing this, you know, in the same business as me and was diagnosed with the same thing. So he, I just remember it was like yesterday, I went into his office and he pulled up a chair and he turned on the tele, turned off the television and I just cried for probably 45 minutes and he just listened to me. And after I told him all my fears and anxiety, he said, 
don't worry. You got this. Mm-hmm. I got you. This company will support us, even if it is to build his or her wheelchair ramps. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that day I kind of thought to myself, if he is so open about his illness, then maybe I should be too. Because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have felt, uh, felt as confident or uh, he's like an angel to me. He was like a guardian angel telling me, you know what? You're going to be okay. So I thought if he was that for me, why can't I be that for somebody else that maybe doesn't know me, but by coming forward with a diagnosis and people seeing me on television, still doing the job that I love to do, maybe I can just give somebody hope. And you have, you do that with so many people, mm-hmm. you know, if anyone sees your social media, people are always, you know, res- you know, commenting and responding and even coming to the show to say like, thank you. Yeah. And- yeah. I mean, I do weather outside and my favorite part is meeting people, um, Fox fans that come to see me. And I'll tell you, especially over the last, I would see, you know, a couple of months, I've had people that come up and tell me they have MS or they have a neurological condition and they see me every day and it gives them hope. And man, you know, that'll bring tears to my eyes. And it just makes me realize that maybe I'm doing more than I thought I was going to in this career. Uh, You know, it's important to deliver a forecast, but it's also maybe important to touch people's lives and tell them that they're not alone. Mm, And that you do. Janice, talk about... uh I, I won't say normal because your days probably aren't normal, but what is a working day look like for you? Because I too am an AM newser and it is That's a what struggle. Ev- it's the it's number one question that people ask me is what time do you get yeah, up every what, morning? What time do you get up? I'm up at 2.50. Okay, same. Okay, same. Yes, yeah. I don't know. My I've got it down to a science. I take a shower the night before. I lay out all my clothes the next day so that I try not to you know wake anybody up. Uh, I make coffee. And I'm out the door at 3 a.m. So I give myself like 10 minutes. And I'm very lucky because when I go into Fox, I have all of my wardrobe there and the hair and makeup staff are there. So they help put me together. I mean, I feel for (laughs) you gals that have to do your own hair and makeup. I used to have to do that too. And uh, man, I know I feel blessed. And then my first report is usually on during the 5 a.m. hour. And it takes about you know 30 minutes for me to get to Long Island to the city. But then I'm done at around you know, 10 a.m. So then I try to get a nap. I try to manage it. And people are always saying to me, well, you know, is it the early hours that, you know, is affecting your MS? And they've, you know, they've done research on that. And although fatigue is a big, um, you know, a big symptom, they say that, you know, they've seen people with MS that work in the army, you know, that that are military. um, And they still don't quite know why we have flare-ups. but you know what? I, I feel like I'm just going to keep on trucking until mm-hmm. I can't anymore. Yes. Just yes. going to do it. Definitely. And just try to, I try to sneak naps in whenever I can. Um, I have a blanket and a, and a pillow at work that I'll sneak a nap if I have to in my office. Um, and I, you know, I don't feel shy about telling people that either, mm-hmm. you know, especially working moms. We got to get the Z's whenever we can. You have two I, children? I have two children. I was just yeah. going to ask, you know, you're, you're managing MS. You have a very demanding job. Your mom, wife, yeah. like how the just work life balance. I am so stubborn, Iris. I mean, <laughs> I think that's part of my that's part of my problem is that it's like you can't knock me down. I mean, you can try. Like that last week when I had that flare up, I was feeling like low, and I just thought, oh, and I cried in my office and. 
uh, one of my senior managers, Lauren Pedersen, knocked on the door and she just sat there while I cried. And I said, you know, I can't lose this job. I can't, you know, and she's like, you're not going to lose this job. And, you know, I'm... You just, you just manage it. You have to do it with, with people that you love and support. And I'm so grateful for my husband because he fills the gap when I can't. He knows I have to sleep. My kids know I have the illness. Um, so I'm very open with them. You know, they'll tell me, mama, you know, we hate that you have this and we know you can't go out in the sun for a long period of time. And my son Theodore, he's, he says to me, he's like, you know, when I get older, I'm going to come up with a cure for oh, cancer and MS. I, love that. I, love <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you know what? It, it, I have the support of so many people, and I'm not afraid to to be vulnerable and tell them when I need that help, even though I'm still stubborn. You know, even today, I it was I wanted to see you, ladies, and my husband was like, oh, but you're not feeling well. I'm like, nope. I want to see him. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I know that. And I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you. Definitely. Can I just say, I love the notes that the jokes, (laughs) the jokes that you put in the lunchbox jokes. (laughs) I have so many people that love those too. Um, You know, a friend of mine, uh, because we work such early hours, I don't get to see my kids in the morning and it hurts, Mm. you know, like my husband is there and he's the one that gets their lunches in the morning. So a girlfriend of mine told me she used to put jokes in her kids' lunches. Um, and it was just sort of this little thing that she could do in the morning, even though maybe she wasn't there, just to let them know that you're thinking about them. And so I've done that this year. Uh, and it's, you know, my 10 year old, I still ask him like, do you still want the jokes? And he's like, yeah, but you know, I kind of look at them uh, during, you know, when we have a break and I kind of read them on my own. I'm like, okay, that's all right. That's okay. At least you still read them. Whereas Theodore gets up in class and tells everybody, here's today's joke. Yeah. It's the little things, you know, that we have to do. I miss them in the morning. So I just try to do something small, um, even though it's touched so many other people's lives, I have so many people that say they steal the jokes. Can I steal the jokes? I'm like, of course you can steal the jokes. That's why I'm putting them on social media. Yes, definitely. So you had an interesting career path. Take us back to how you got your start in meteorology. And you weren't always doing that. No, I did it backwards. Yeah. So um, I actually went, I took, you know, a few months of university journalism uh, was my major. And I didn't like it uh, because I learned uh, that I wouldn't be out in the field or doing reports until like fourth or fifth year. And that really frustrated me. Again, stubborn, right? Like, ugh, I don't want to learn all these other things that aren't, that aren't going to like give me the experience, the life experience that I need to do this job. So I took a year off. And in the meantime, I found out that they had a, a college program that had radio and television broadcasting that was a two-year program. And it was at a college that was very close to where I lived. And I had heard good things about it. And the good thing about that was it was taught by professors that were in the industry. So the people that were teaching us radio and television were in radio and television. They were actually working in the in the industry. So I took that for two years. I loved it. I loved, I loved radio. Radio, my career, I believe... Um, if I could, you know, if I could do it all would be radio. I enjoy it. I love TV. Don't get me wrong. I love the job, but I love the fact that you can tell a story and no one is paying attention to what you look mm, like. Yeah. You know, like my mom will say to me, Oh, I love that dress you were wearing or your hair looked good. Or did you do something with that? Li- <laughs> you know, what is your lipstick that you're wearing today? Um, whereas when I was doing radio, she would say, Oh, I love the story that you told. So I did that. And right out of college, um, 
I was doing radio. I was a classic rock DJ. I worked at a classic rock station in my hometown of Ottawa, Canada. And part-time, someone uh, at the local CBC, which is our, our local news channel, said, you know, I've seen you do a couple of telethons. You seem to have a great personality on television. Would you come in and maybe, you know, would you do some part-time weather when our weather man is gone? And I thought, weather? What? <laughs> <laughs> But I thought to myself, I, I thought, okay, well, it's experience, right? I'll, I'll go in and I'll learn it. And so I started doing part-time weather. Back then in the day, you didn't really need to have like a broadcast meteorology degree. Mm. You were a weather presenter. So I did that part-time on the side as I was doing this radio career. So fast forward, my my career is all, had always been radio full-time, television part-time. Um, but when I came to New York, I was doing a radio job. And I didn't like that radio job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking for something else. And through a make makeup artist that I had met at the WCBS here in New York, she said, oh, well, I work over at Fox News as well. Um, I'll bring your tape over. Maybe they could use somebody like an entertainment reporter or something to that, um, you know, like that. So she brought my tape over. It ended up I, I went over and had an interview with Roger Ailes, who was the CEO of the company. And he said to me, well, I don't quite know where to put you, but um, have you done weather before? And I was like, yeah, right out of college, like in my 20s. And he said, well, you know, I, I need a daytime weather person. Would you like the job? And I thought, okay. And so he hired me. And from there, when I realized that that was what I was going to do, that was my job, I I did the schooling on the side. Mm-hmm. So I went through Mississippi State, which is a great distant yes. lear- learning program for um, weather casters. And I was able to get my AMS seal in 2009. So I did it backwards. But when I go and I talk to kids who want to get into broadcasting, I always say, do everything, learn everything, mm-hmm. do every job, don't turn anything down. You know, have I, had I said in whatever, 1995. Oh, I don't think I'd be a weather, good weather person. Well, I don't think I'd be sitting here exactly. today talking Absolutely. to you, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, and I really love it. I love it. I love the fact that I always say I do fair and balanced weather, you know, like I do East Coast, West Coast and everywhere in between. I don't have to get involved in the daily politics, which is, you know, it's uh, regardless of what team you're on, it's I mean, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when I do a weather report, it's a little bit of a break from the news and the news cycle. And and so I try to bring as much fun yeah. as I can. You too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and new this year, you, in addition to all all the things that you do and are, you're an author. Mm-hmm. Author. Um, Mostly Sunny came out. Yep. In March. Yeah. Very telling. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, the most nerve-wracking part of that book was like two days before it came out. Truly. When I was asked to write a book, it was kind of like what I just told you about the MS diagnosis. I thought, well, I've got a lot of stories. I've got a lot of challenges. I've been through not only the MS stuff, but certainly things, bumps in the road along the way that I knew might help people. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll take it like I did with the MS and be like, 
maybe this is the book that I would have liked to have read when I was newly diagnosed. Mm. Because when I was newly diagnosed, all I wanted to do was read optimistic books. You know, certainly I wanted to re- read about the challenges people go through, but also how they overcame them and what they did to overcome them. So when they asked me to do the book, I thought, okay, well, that's how I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to write stories, but I'm also going to give sort of the silver lining. Like the story I told you, well, if I had said, you know, back then, oh, I don't think I'd be a very good weather person, then I wouldn't be here today. So I believe that we all have a road that we are supposed to go on and people that come into our lives come into our lives for a very good reason. So that's how I I wrote the book. But I'll tell you, there's so much in that book that's so personal, including stories that even my husband didn't know, including Mm -hmm. my mom didn't even know, my closest friends. Um, the few days before, before it came out, I had huge anxiety, like, oh my gosh, people are going to know me. Like nobody else knows me. And how are they going to see that? It was kind of almost like coming out with the MS diagnosis, like, oh, they're, you know, they're, I'm, they're going to see beside, um, behind the facade, behind Mm -hmm. the curtain. But since then, I'm so glad that I did because all of the comments I've gotten have been just so wonderful and you helped me through something and, um, you know, and now I feel I know you even more, you know, so I think there is a big reward in that. Yeah, it's very relatable. What was the hardest story that you had to tell? The the, the Houston break-in. Mm-hmm. So when I was living in Houston, uh, you know, I, I did my radio career in Ottawa. I followed a boy to Houston thinking that we were going to get married. That didn't work out. But I was doing really well back. You know, I was doing television. I'm do- I was doing radio. I was making a good living. Um, and I had uh, a break-in. Someone broke into my apartment. I was living on the the bottom, um, the first floor apartment of a, a really nice apartment complex. Um, and someone got through uh, through the window. And I remember him waking me up uh, and just like, you know grabbing my shoulder and waking up and seeing this person in front of me with a knife. And I, it's, you know, it's fight or flight. You don't know how you're going to react. And how I reacted was I actually said to him, hi, can I help you? I didn't, I, you know, I was terrified, obviously. And I was, you know, my mind was going a, a million miles an hour, a minute. Um, but I was very calm and I just kept talking to him and he, you know, he wanted to, you know, assault me. And, um, he was, you know, telling me to take off articles of clothing and I kept telling him, well, listen, I've got jewelry, I've got money, I've got a brand new car. I kept trying to convince him to do anything but, um, you know, uh, hurt me. And, um, you know, I'm not going to say that he didn't do things, but we got to the point where he finally did say, take me to your jewelry box. And I was able to, you know, give him the jewelry go out into the living room, give him, he had already gone through my purse. And I, I, by the grace of God, there was some noise in the parking lot, whether it be, I think it was either a car alarm or it sounded like a gunshot. Couldn't tell you what it was, but it was loud enough that it shook him and he ran out of the apartment. Mm. And even though I wasn't really physically harmed, that was such um, a harrowing moment for me that made such, every day I think about it. I think about it every single day. Um, so that was the hardest chapter to write. And because my husband didn't know the details of the story. Um, but I wrote it for a reason because I feel like people, hopefully there's a lesson in there. Lock your doors at night, get an alarm system, be aware. You know, I, and there's, we're talking about guns in this, in this, in the society that we live in. I understand both sides of it. I understand wa- wanting to have a gun for protection. 
I also understand not having one and, and, you know, and, and because of the safety issues mm-hmm. surrounding it. So that was the hardest thing to write, write about. And then you talk also about challenges in the workplace, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the newsroom and uh, harassment yeah. issues and things like that. Delve a little bit into that. So um, when I came to New York, I worked with Don Imus. He's a big broadcasting name. And that that job should have been my best job. On paper, it had radio, working with a major name in broadcasting, uh, and it was simulcast on television on MSNBC. And it was using all of the things that I had learned in school. I was, you know, I was writing the news. I was doing an entertainment report. I was filling in for his news person when he was off. Um, but Imus was very... Uh, he was very mean to me, on air and off air. Um, uh, and I write about the fact that he carried a gun around and would, you know, threaten us with the fact that he had a gun and he would take the bullets out and name the bullets after us. And it was just, and everyone knew it was going on, mm. but they never did anything because he just made the company so much money. Um, and I knew pretty much within the ne- the first few weeks that I had to get out of that job. So I started actively trying to find uh, another job. Um, and so that was a different kind of abuse. He was never abusive sexually towards me, but he was abusive verbally. And obviously the, you know, naming bullets yeah, <laughs> from I mean, your gun is not the most greatest work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went over to Fox News. And of course, if you follow Fox News, you know that Roger Ailes um, was, you know, they got rid of him for harassment. And I witnessed that behavior early on in my career. But I wanted to write in the book about how even though early on in my career, he definitely was very suggestive and made uh, very terrible suggestions and awkward situations, um, we also got past that. You know, I always thought that he was hitting on me and wanted to have an affair. I never thought that he was using his power to, you know, manipulate me. Mm. But we learned that he did, you know, he did do that. But at the time, I had been in this business so long that it wasn't that surprising. I know that's really weird to say. Um, but I was just able to sort of walk this fine line, laugh it off, and just say, you know, I have a boyfriend. Um, so he, you know, he did that while, during the interview process. And I thought, this guy's never going to hire me. He just wants to have a date with me. Um, but one date, he, one day he called me and he, I write about it in the book. He called me at home and he said, Janice Teen, you know, you ready to come to Fox News? And I said, oh, I'd love to have the job. And he said, you know, well, how are you at phone sex? And I just was like, what? Wow. Yeah. Um, and I took it as a joke and I just sort of laughed it off and said, Oh, this is not a 1-900 number, Mr. Mm-hmm. Ailes. And he laughed and said, Oh, well, you know, call your agent. You're hired. So I just thought, okay, whatever, you know, strange. Um, but we learned that, that where there's smoke, there's fire. Mm-hmm. And in my career, I found other women that had sort of similar situations. Um, but I never knew the depth of, what was reportedly going on. Um, and he was also very kind to me and very, you know, gave me a great job at Fox. So I wanted to write both sides because I think, you know, nothing is black and white. There's gray area. And the the Murdochs did the right thing. Um, and when, you know, when the news got out, they, he was, you know, he was, he left the building fairly quickly. Um, but it's still tough, you know, uh, this business, unfortunately, this broadcasting business, 
There's a lot of these stories out yes, there. Yes, there are. And I think this is just sort of scratching the surface, unfortunately. But hopefully we're bringing awareness. And I always say, you know, it's safety in numbers. Be good to your women colleagues. You know, reach out to them. I hope that people, you know, since then I've had younger women come up and tell me and call me and ask my advice on things. And if I can be that for somebody, then that's important. Mm, yeah. yeah. All right. I do have a quick question before Iris gets to her question. Yes. So one of uh, our mutual friends, she's one of my colleagues, Kate Thornton. She's our morning meteorologist at my station. She tells me the challenges of working as a female meteorologist. Yes. There's not a lot of chief meteorologists that are women. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice or what encouraging words would you give to women meteorologists uh, who are listening? Speak up, mm. you know, and support each other. There are so many of us out there. Um, I don't have the chief title at Fox. My my colleague Rick Regmuth does. I'm the senior, though, so uh, <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but you know, a title is a title. It's important, of course. It's like we need more women CEOs out there. We don't have a lot of those. We have one at Fox News Channel. I think there needs to be more. Um, and I think we just need to be more supportive of one another mm-hmm. as women, working women in this industry. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're certainly qualified. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, I, if anybody wants to be a chief, let me know and I'll, I'll say it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a lot of influence. Yeah. So. <laughs> Why not? I'll yes. I'll retweet it. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> I will. I, there are so many great women in this, in this industry. It's unfortunate though. We still get, you know, the sexist comments. Mm. I still do, you know, like. Uh, that dress is a little bit too tight. You, you know, you're, are you gaining a little here around the, you know, the middle? Yeah. Right. I remember when I was pregnant, I wrote about this in the book and I, I would I get emails. This was before social media, but emails like, when are you having that baby? You're blocking my home, hometown in Mississippi. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. yeah. Like what? And the fact that people feel empowered to, mm-hmm. and now with social media, it's oh, even it's, worse. It is. Yeah. The yeah. things that people say. email. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, know, but the positive does outweigh the yeah. negative. Absolutely. And I think once in a while, it doesn't hurt to sort of highlight those emails, which mm. is what I did. Um, a, f- a couple of years ago, I got an email from somebody on my Facebook saying, why does Fox dress you in those skirts? You know, you don't look good in those, the, you know, the the skirts above your knees because you don't have good legs. And I was just like, Fox doesn't dress me and I'll wear whatever I want. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, but, but people, you know, people responded to that. Mm-hmm. So I think once in a while you got to get it, give it back to them, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and just, and just sort of highlight what some of these trolls say. Yeah. 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 I like how you said speak up though. I think that a lot of us in broadcasting can benefit from that. Advice. Right. Let's yeah. speak up. Yeah. If somebody wants that job. You let me know. I'll mm-hmm. be your cheerleader. Yes. yes. <laughs> Keep that in mind. <laughs> so our favorite question, which is what we ask um, every guest, is what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> what would I? What advice would I give my younger self? Be authentic. Be true to yourself. Be yourself. Because I think for a while when I was younger, I thought, well, maybe people want to see me this way. Maybe I need to be more of this. Maybe I need to look a certain way. Maybe I need to lose a little more weight or make my hair look this or, and that wasn't authentic. And I find that when I realize that maybe my best quality is being myself, 
that's when I started to succeed. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right, Janice Dean. You have made Iris's whole life. Seriously. I'm glad I finally had Happy to do this again whenever you need me to. Okay, we'll call you. Where can people follow you? Uh, At Janice Dean on Twitter. On Instagram, it's Janice Dean FNC. And on uh, Facebook, it's Janice Dean. I got to tell you, I'm taking a little tiny bit of a break with with the social media this week. Good for you. Yeah, I I feel like I think we do. We need to take a bit of a break and step back. Um, it's good in a lot of ways, but also there is something good to just put in the phone down. Yes. Right? Unplug. Unplug yeah, it. Definitely. Although not with this podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Anytime, us. Anytime, ladies. Let's keep the conversation going. Connect with us on social media using the handle on air TLR. And of course, if there's a lady you want us to interview, let us know. We'll chat again soon in the, the ladies room. room.